But let us begin then with that news from Belarus that the boss of the Wagner paramilitary group, Evgeny Prigozhin, has returned to Russia. That is according to the Belarusian leader, Alexander Lukashenko. Mr. Prigozhin, who led Wagner's mutiny in Russia last month, was supposed to have gone into exile in Belarus, and yet the Belarusian leader says he may now be back in St. Petersburg. For the past week or so, his whereabouts had been something of a mystery. We know his private jet had landed in Minsk shortly after the rebellion, but was he on it? Today, at a press conference in Minsk, Mr Lukashenko said the question of whether the Wagner units would relocate to Belarus was now in the balance and would depend on the decisions taken by Moscow and by Wagner. As for Prigozhin, he is in St Petersburg. He may have gone to Moscow this morning or somewhere else. He is not on the territory of Belarus. Our Russia editor Steve Rosenberg was at that news conference. Well, less than two weeks ago, we were told that Alexander Lukashenko, the leader of Belarus, had brokered a deal under which the Wagner mutiny would end and Yevgeny Prigozhin would move from Russia to Belarus and any Wagner fighters who wanted to could join him uh, in Belarus. Today, Mr Lukashenko told us that actually Yevgeny Prigozhin is not in Belarus, that he was in St Petersburg, he may be in Moscow today. And the uh, Wagner fighters are not in Belarus. He indicated that uh, they went back to their camps in Russian-occupied uh, eastern Ukraine. Uh, Mr Lukashenko also said that he's going to be discussing the situation with Wagner with Vladimir Putin uh, in the nearest future, although the Kremlin hasn't given any date for that discussion. So what is happening, what is actually going on, who knows? Who knows? Let's speak to another man who follows it closely. Vitaly Shevchenko is the Russia editor at BBC Monitoring. Let me tell you that Vitaly is one of those who's not entirely convinced, are you, Vitaly, that Prigozhin was ever in Belarus? Well, all we have in terms of uh, pointers to him being there are those statements made by Alexander Lukashenko uh, about 10 days ago when he said that, yes, Evgeny Prigozhin is in Belarus. Now he's saying that he's not. Does that mean that he's left Belarus? Are we to believe Mr Lukashenko at all? All this only adds to the uncertainty surrounding uh, the, the, the leader of the Wagner mercenary group. Uh, what I do know after watching Russian state TV is that it seems to have embarked on a campaign to discredit Evgeny Prigozhin. And that's important because uh, there have been questions about whether this mutiny was real. But now audiences in Russia are to believe that Evgeny Prigozhin is greedy, he's motivated by this lust for money. Uh, various TV channels in Russia are showing uh, pictures said to be from his home, very opulent, piles of cash, ingots of gold, guns, wigs, fake passports, wigs. and they brought up his criminal past as well. He spent nine years in jail in the 1980s, mm. and the message there is clear. Evgeny Prigozhin is a, a criminal who's after money, he's not a fighter for justice as he claims. So. From this kind of message to, to row back to him being a very patriotic fighter in Ukraine, I think it's going to be really difficult. All of which is important, Vitaly, because there were always these questions about whether he might be rehabilitated if the war was to go wrong 
again for the Russians in Ukraine. Maybe he'd be brought back as, uh, as, as Mr. Popular. And, and as you say, they, they seem to be uh, destroying his reputation. Why would he go back to St. Petersburg? Because St. Petersburg, as we all know, is a stronghold for the president, Vladimir Putin. And it's also Evgeny Prigozhin's home city. That's where they met uh, back when uh, Mr. Prigozhin uh, was in charge of a, uh, a chain of uh, really expensive restaurants. And, and, and uh, that friendship, that relationship developed into what we're seeing today. Uh, St. Petersburg is also where uh, Evgeny Prigozhin's home was. So that's one reason why he might want to go there. But also, a lot of questions are being asked right now about uh, what he might be doing in Belarus if he does go to Belarus eventually. We've seen pictures, um, satellite images, apparently showing uh, bases being built in Belarus not too far from the border with Ukraine, um, bases which might be used by Wagner fighters and uh, that has led to concerns that uh, Wagner might attack from the north. Mm. Now Ukrainian officials are playing them down but uh, at the end of the day all we have is a lot of uncertainty surrounding both Evgeny Prigozhin's whereabouts and his intentions. The last we've heard of him was uh, on last Saturday and, and he spoke about a car rally that was held in, in Siberia and he thanked people for their support. But he said absolutely nothing about where he was or what he was planning to do. More questions, more speculation. Uh, thank you very much for that, Vitaly. Meanwhile, in Ukraine, uh, five people have died today after a Russian rocket hit an apartment building in the western city of Lviv. Uh, the city's mayor says the attack has left dozens of people injured. More than 50 flats uh, were damaged. These aerial pictures will give you some idea of the scale of that attack and you'll see that the top floors of that apartment building devastated by the force of the blast. Now you'll be aware that Lviv is far to the west, hundreds of kilometers from the front lines, and this is described as the largest attack on Lviv's civilian infrastructure since the start of the full-scale invasion. Let's hear from some of the residents. We were at home. At night I woke up from the first explosion, but we didn't have time to leave the apartment. There was a second explosion, the ceiling started to fall. My mother was immediately hit. I jumped out. I was covered in rubble only about knee deep. I tried to reach my mother, but I couldn't. I found out that my mother had died. My neighbours had died. At this point it seems that I was the only one who survived from the fourth floor. It's a miracle. If it wasn't for the rescuers, we wouldn't have left the apartment. The rescuers broke down the door and let us out. I am left without an apartment, without anything. I heard screams from the neighbors. I think they were being pulled out of the rubble. Opposite me, there were terrifying screams. They must have been pulling people out of the rubble. Now, I don't see my neighbors on the street anymore. Of course, Lviv close to the border uh, with Poland. What should we make of all this? Let's bring in Elizabeth Brawl. She's a senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. It's a US-based uh, think tank. Elizabeth, thank you for being with us. Um, the Russians said today they were striking depots in the West that were storing foreign-made armoured vehicles. Quite clearly, uh, from the pictures we've just seen, that 
wasn't the, the target. That wasn't the target that was hit. Do you think in any way this is going to make the Allies think again about how they move things across the border? Well, I, I think it, it is remarkable that uh, for uh, over a year now, uh, Western allies have been help uh, have been able to to help Ukraine uh, get equipment, and it's 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 no mystery where uh, how this equipment gets to Ukraine. There are not many ways in which it can get into Ukraine, and even so, it arrives successfully. So. Uh, that said, there was always the realization or the recognition that uh, that there would be some equipment or, or some uh, deliveries that that would be hit, uh, and if that happens and when that happens, that's something that Western allies take, take into account or or that that, that they accept. Uh, in addition to accepting that some of the equipment will be destroyed as part of the fighting, and I think if anything, it it. Uh, increases the impetus among them to to keep up the deliveries and even to accelerate the deliveries because uh, the more uh, the more equipment gets lost the more ukraine needs in order to win this war and there is a realization that if this war is to be prevented from dragging on forever then ukraine needs more equipment mm. just quickly before we turn to belarus elizabeth if if the intended target was depots and the fact that they are missing or hitting apartment blocks does again point to, to, to the sort of precision guided munitions which they don't have. You know, the, the, the difficult thing with the Russians is whether to uh, suspect that they are incompetent or whether to suspect that they are deliberately targeting civilian buildings. Uh, they can't be both at the same time, uh, or rather it, it, it's either incompetence or deliberate malice, but it's now a regular pattern that that uh, civilian buildings, whether it be apartment buildings or indeed cafes, get hit. And you would think that a, a fighting force that is, that is supposed to be the second best in the world would be able to send its missiles in the direction of the intended target, or otherwise, it really is the case that that they did uh, they did intend to kill mm. civilians. We, we talked about Prigozhin, but there, there was more important detail in this press conference in Minsk today, notably about the nukes, uh, this first batch of tactical nuclear weapons that Russia is supposedly moving to Belarus. Have a listen to how. Steve Rosenberg perceived what the leader, Lukashenko, said about that. Now, we also talked about nuclear weapons because the Kremlin has said that it is moving tactical nuclear weapons uh, from Russia to uh, Belarus. Alexander Lukashenko said that some had arrived and that more would arrive by the end of the year. Now, uh, he, a short while ago, he said that, uh, God forbid, he should actually have to take the decision to use uh, those weapons. Well, I said to him, these are not your weapons to take the decision to use. They are Russian weapons. Well, he said, well, if Ukraine can fight with other people's weapons, meaning sort of NATO weapons, then why can't I? How concerned, Elizabeth, will Washington and NATO be by a response like that from Lukashenko? Uh, uh, Lukashenko is clearly a leader who is keen to prove his uh, his worth or his value. So if if, if Zelensky can use uh, other countries' weapons, I'm I'm just as good as Zelensky. But th there is a, a really dangerous part in this, which is that if uh, if Lukashenko claims that he has some sort of right to take decisions over 
another country's nuclear weapons, uh, should we expect a sort of uh, meltdown in the relations between Russia and uh, Belarus over the over nuclear weapons when they are already on Belarusian soil, or should we uh, expect um, some sort of action, joint action between the two, where uh, Lukashenko claims that he's in charge, but in fact is acting on behalf of of Russia. But the, the nuclear weapons, as as your viewers will know, are no joking matter. It's different if if you send uh, if you send tanks or even fighter jets to another country. That's very different from from uh, letting another country host your nuclear weapons when it's not clear who decides about the use of those nuclear weapons. And Lukashenko is, uh, President Lukashenko is, is an erratic man. He's also a man who is, whose, whose grasp on power remains, uh, remains uh, incomplete at best. Elizabeth Brawl, thank you very much for joining us.